Welcome to Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of the Kentucky Wesleyan College Alumni Association. Join us each week as we interview incredible alumni and friends and follow the evolution of their lives. Hey, everybody. We are back again for another edition of Alumni Evolution, the official podcast of Kentucky Wesleyan Alumni. I am Doug Hoyt, and I have the privilege of being a host of this podcast. And today I have a very special guest with me. Scott Kramer. Scott, welcome. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure, sure. Um, my Kentucky Wesleyan journey is about 40 years. It's continuous. It's continuous. Which it's, makes it is not you concluded. unique in all of my guests. Well, that's good to hear. I'm unique in a lot of different ways. Yes, so sir. <laughs> no, I, start, I entered in 1983 as a freshman, as a member of the first football team. I believe you were nearing your end of your tenure at Kentucky Wesleyan. I was a Wesleyan. junior at yeah, that time. That's right. That's right. So we overlapped for a couple of years. And um, have enjoyed my time at Kentucky Wesleyan immensely over that amount of time. It's, you know, my wife's a graduate, my children are graduates. I've got several family members that were well above ten. I've got a prospective cousin that's looking for the fall next year. So it, it continues. It's it's a you know never ending cycle. It's something that I've never pushed on anyone, but they have been part of the experience and. I like to think they have seen how much I enjoy what I do and where I'm at, and I want to be a part of that. You know, Scott, it's interesting. I I don't know that you have to really push Kentucky Wesleyan for the what I call the true believer. Sure. You know, it it I've, I've told a lot of people it became part of my DNA, and I think that's what happens. And when you do, when that happens to you, you it's just part of you. I agree. Uh, when I when I mentioned pushing. When you have children, yep. you want to make sure it's Absolutely. their decision. And you don't, you know, we looked at other colleges, we looked, but they said, I felt like at home at Wesleyan, that's where I grew up, and that's what I'm going to be a part of. So I let it, it was their decision, never any pressure from mom or dad to say, hey, you need to stay in town and attend Kentucky Wesleyan. So that's what makes it worthwhile, is it was their decision. So let's circle back just a little bit. So 1983. The first year that football returned to Kentucky Wesleyan after a pretty lengthy hiatus. Mm -hmm. uh, my junior year, your freshman year, this year celebrates its 40th anniversary of the return. And that was your first year, 1983. You played football. What position? Played, well, you won't believe this, quarterback and defensive back. Uh, after camp. Interesting uh, yeah, combination. After uh, a few weeks of the season, we had seven quarterbacks. And I wanted to play. So I went to Coach Mitchell and said, hey, I would like to really – let me move over to defensive back and try that. So I just happened to probably back up our one of our best players, Rocky No, who was oh, a yeah. – Rocky was – he was a, a tremendous hitter, team leader. So I enjoyed backing him up. So I got to watch a lot of football that season, that's for sure. But I also played baseball for four years. I only played football one, but I played baseball for all four years. And what position? First base. First base. Yeah, could hit a little bit. Yeah, so that means you must have had a good batting average. Decent, yeah. You remember yeah. what it was? Uh, it was over 300. There and, you go. Um, my best year was my junior year when um, John Hill and, and we had some le senior leaders in that group. Uh, I hit 12 home runs, hit 360, so I had a good year. And then uh, 
second game my senior year, we were playing Tennessee State. I slot into home and I dragged my thumb across. So I had a jam thumb that kind of bothered me the whole season. So don't like to make excuses, but I followed up 12 home runs with three. So, yeah. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it was, that's but okay. my you average was higher. But the so, average was higher yeah, and you had yeah. a good career. I had a good career. Um, some of my best friends were members of that baseball team. We still stay in contact. We have group texts. We have, they have reunions. I'll say they, they do more than I do. Um, about twice a year, and in last um, spring it was in Owensboro. So they, they had a they rented a house. They came in, got to watch one of our former teammates' son pitch, and uh, so just a tremendous group of guys that get together. No, and, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. We call ourselves the Bat Frat. Oh, okay, the Bat Frat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what was your major? Business management. Okay. And uh, so, are you one of those who? Uh, graduated in four years, or did you take the extended plan? I was the first Denny Potts mm. player that graduated in four years with my bachelor's degree. Wow. Yep. And then I was hired at Kentucky Wesleyan as an admissions counselor that fall in September yep. and the assistant baseball coach for Coach Potts. So that's not an uncommon path for some students that graduate is to, to take that admissions counselor route. It's a good first job out of college. It really is. And you, you you have the stories that you can share with prospective students and their families. And to be able to, we used to give our own tours. We would lead the tours around campus and you'd point out different sites that were important to you and tell a story about that. And you can really resonate with the families. Yeah, and make a connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because you're fresh. Yeah. 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 So you did that. For, for four long? years. For four years, yeah. you were admissions. I was in admissions, worked my way from admissions counselor to assistant director to associate director. And then a gentleman named Gus Paris comes to me. Gus Paris. And it was uh, 92, or 91, 92. And Gus came to me and said, I'm going to retire. And Gus, you have to realize, was the registrar and he was the financial aid director with no computer. This was all hand, did it all by hand. Absolutely. So when Gus retired, they separated the two positions. We had a director of financial aid and a registrar. He came to me. He knew that Penny and I were looking to start our family and that admissions, there's a lot of travel involved with that. So um, he said, would you be interested in being the registrar? I said, absolutely. I used to help my teammates when it was registration time, go through the catalog and make sure they're taking the right courses to, so they can graduate on time. So that, that was really important to me and something that I had a passion for. Did that for eight years. And registrar. I, it, registrar, correct. And then at that time, Dr. West Poling, the president, came to me. They were conducting a search for the dean of students, and that's that's where I got my master's in student personnel services from Western Kentucky. And um, he knew that I had a passion of working with students and wanted to continue that. So came to me. I was fortunate enough to get that position, did that for 16 years. And my current position is vice president um, in my eighth year now. So just kind of worked my way through the system. You know, it seems like every four years, or I double from four to eight, eight to 16. 16. Yeah. So I guess I'll be here for 32 <clears throat> years and then move on and do something else. Well, I hope you are. Your dedication is admirable. Well, I appreciate that. So, interestingly, during your tenure as dean of students, 
Um, my son went through Wesleyan, and he was here at that time. So uh, I'm familiar with that tenure more than the others. Sure, sure. Remember him well. Matter of fact, I think we were at an alumni event where we reconnected and we started talking about um, the online program for him That's to right. finish his degree. That's right. And he, he took a little sabbatical. Yep. He became a police officer yep. and life got in the way. Yeah, and that, and that happens. And that's why our online program is so important to so many people because life happens. You're ready to get back on track and get that degree. And there's several different ways to do that. And he was fortunate enough to complete that. And it's a proud moment for me to help him realize that was available to him. Absolutely. And proud for me and and thankful to you for that. Uh, You know, the guidance sometimes is difficult and that's no matter what age you are, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't always have a clear path and uh, having a friend on the inside, if you will, helps. Sure. Sure. And we had that previous relationship. So it was just a matter of reconnecting. How are you doing? Didn't lead. We didn't start off with that, but just it led to that. And he was able to complete that degree. And, and I'm sure he's so proud of that because uh, for adults, that's, that's really important. Uh, Interestingly, Scott, he now is talking about the idea of going back and getting his master's degree. Wonderful. So, it, and his advancement, it, the advancement opportunities with those degrees are really going to help him. It's it, going to pay That's off exactly right. Yeah. It's never too late. That's right. That's right. So, uh, all those positions that you had, and even including the one you have, uh, talk about those just a little bit the good, the bad, maybe not so much the ugly, if you will, but. Well, yeah. Um, Dean of students, I don't miss the 2 a.m. phone calls from students in distress <laughs> or staff members in distress that we've got a situation. I had a nice, dark head of hair at that time, and it slowly started to leave me and, and turn white. So I blame that. I blame this on the student life area that I Probably did Probably fair. It, well, and I feel like my strength as the dean of students was from my admissions background, because you know how hard you work to get them to enroll. So once they're here, you want to work that hard, if not more, to make sure they stay and graduate. So that, that, I think that was very important in my growth as a professional, that you know, going through the admissions process and every step of the way working with a student to make sure they um, fulfill their requirements to get in and do what they need to do. And then when they get here, it can Continues. You know, it's not that it ends. Admissions ends here and you're on your own. Kentucky Wesleyan can deliver that individual um, attention that they need to make sure they stay on track and they get they do what they need to do. Now, that's exactly right. Uh, now, it, it, I have to circle back to that uh, dark hair and <laughs> white hair or in my case, no hair. Uh, <laughs> back when I was here and even I think during the time you were here, it was Dean Gorell. Absolutely. And I can understand why you might have gone from dark to white, because I know what I put Dean Gorell through. <laughs> well, I often tell people that I was on the dean's list every semester I was here, but it was the wrong dean. I was on Dean Gorell's list every year. First semester, he and I became quite good friends. Absolutely. And then uh, he was a fantastic gentleman, just really, really Oh, fun he was work. a yeah. super, super yeah. guy. And his wife was, uh, yep. Jesse, was was amazing. And they lived over at the stadium right on they campus did. with us. They did. And and Dean Gorell, uh, he retired the year I graduated. So we went out together. So that I remember our last meal in the dining hall uh, right before commencement. He said, yeah, I'm, gra- I'm, I'm retiring this time. And I said, well, I'm graduating. So we, at the same year, we exited the college as dean and as student. So I've it, often joked... Um, I can't think of the number of times that Dean Gorell said, 
Now, Doug, you know you shouldn't do that. And that's just about the way he would say it. You know, he, and, and, and he it really rarely, got to you. The, <laughs> he, I remember walking in his office, and he's like, "How's your day going? Are you okay?" Yeah, that kind. Of, and then we got in. And he said, "No, we've got to deal with something that you shouldn't have been involved with." I said, "Yeah, uh, guilty by association." Didn't really work with Dean Grell. He knew exactly where you were. He knew everything. He did. He did. Did, were, did was that you when you were dean of students? Yeah. Did you I know very, everything? I was pretty connected. Um, one of the things I took great pride in is getting to know the students. I could tell the students by name walking down the sidewalk. I said, Doug, how's your day going? And they're like, how does he know who I am? That and this is their, you know, maybe their first day of class as a freshman. You work all the summer working list and getting to know students. And to, to take that time and effort to get to know them really made an impact. But I think that's part of the luster of Kentucky Wesleyan. You know, it's it's it, it's you. It's small enough that professors, administration, you know, the staff know the students by name. Yes, yes. They, they know when they miss a class. Yep. And we'll see them in the dining hall saying, "Hey, you weren't in class this morning. What happened?" And that leads to another discussion. So they know that when you miss, people don't ignore that. I was talking with uh, another guest, a uh, couple of them last week, <clears throat> and we were we all had Lee do. As yep. our advisor, and and we're talking about how we would all drink coffee with Lee over in the sub, mm -hmm. and uh, he was uh, full of wit, and uh, maybe a few other things, but uh, he was a great guy, <laughs> yeah. great guy. Yep. Um, but that's the connection that you can make. And I don't think you really appreciate those connections until after you graduate. I promise you, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I had Art Chesler. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Everyone despised Art Chesler because he was tough. He was hard. He was a very difficult I, professor. I, I remember putting in my economics classes off until I didn't have, because I thought maybe he would take a sabbatical at some point and, I'd get, and I wouldn't have to take them with him. <laughs> didn't happen. Had to take him. And then um, I did take finance at Brescia with our exchange program, so that worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I took Art Chesler, I, and of course everybody remembers, uh, you know, he pretty much chain smoked in class. Oh yeah, open the drawer, and drop the ashes. Absolutely, yeah. you know, but he was a, a a brilliant man. Yeah, and there were many of those through the years. Now, what people don't realize is after he retired, he became. A studio chef. He would bring cookies and breads and things into the offices and share. And it was, I was like, is this the same person that I had in economics that takes this time and effort to come and deliver these kind of goodies to the campus? Wow. So, yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of people come and go. Uh, how many different presidents? I counted over 10 at one point, but there's a couple interims, not, not official president. But I started with Luther White, your president as Absolutely. well. And then, you know, we're with Tom Mitzel right now. So I've been with every one of them through that day. I remember meeting um, Dr. Uh, well, I knew Luther from our, my, as being a student, but he invited me in when I, when I applied for the admissions position. And his daughter, Mary, talking about connections, uh, was a classmate of mine. And Mary had given me a recommendation for the position. So Dr. White called me in, and we had a really good interview, and it worked out well, and I was offered the position. So, you know, even beyond the one-to-one -one with the professor or the administrator, whomever, you know, being a classmate of his daughters helped me in that position. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the relationships that you, you form. You know, how many people, students at colleges, can say they really know the president of the college? Right. 
And, yeah. and you, you've been on campus when Dr. Metzl's, well, he takes the time to stop at a table and ask them how they're doing. Oh, absolutely. How their classes are. They're ready for finals, things like that. We, uh, we served breakfast last night to the students. It's uh, the first uh, Monday evening of finals. That It was at 930. We had 300 kids up there that we're serving breakfast to. Oh, wow. And the, the faculty and staff, too. And it was just, it's just, I love doing that. And, you know, I know who the December grads are, so they come through, and I'm like, well, this is your last one. How, you know, what are you doing? I've already got a job. Hearing things like that, it's just a tremendous feeling that they're going to graduate at the end of this week as a December graduate, and they've got their jo- first job lined up. And so at that, some level, you have been with them from recruitment, all the way through. Yeah, my my payday is commencement. When you see those students go across that stage, and and you know that you might have impacted that in some small way, and knowing that some students graduate, and you're like, when they got here, I never thought this was going to happen, <laughs> and they persevered, <laughs> and they were able to you know do what they needed to do to get back on track, and they graduated, and you feel like their family member when they go across that stage celebrating with them that they uh, that they made it. Absolutely. You talked about family. I, I, I love talking about family. Yours is, uh, uh, you've got a, a, a number of people who have also come through the doors of Kentucky Wesleyan. Sure do. Your wife, Penny, is yeah. one. Uh, let's now, Penny start came there. the community college route. Oh, okay. She, uh, she's actually a year older than I. She okay. robbed the cradle. So I'm a year. So I came yeah. the first year, 1983, and Penny had already put a year of at the Henderson Community College, okay. the Hill, as they call it. Okay. So I came. And she did her second year while I did my freshman year. Yeah. Then she joined me yeah. for my sophomore and junior years, and then she graduated. Then I was here another year. So we overlapped in that way. Um, and then, um, so, I, my, but you met here? No. Oh, you did. We were high school sweethearts. High school sweetheart. Yeah. I was a sophomore. She was a junior when we started dating. So we go way back. Wow. But then uh, my sister came uh, for a couple of years. And then I've had um, another, my stepsister um, attended here before going on to UK for law school. And um, I've had cousins. I've had my two children. I've had my niece and my, at one year, at one time, um, my daughter was a freshman, my nephew was a sophomore, my son was a junior, and my niece was a senior. So they were all four here at the same time. So that was pretty cool for my sister and I to be able to share that experience with them. And I was their dean. So Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, well, and I let them Uncle, do their own Uncle thing. Dean, right? They, they knew where I was when they needed money. They, they would find <laughs> me, and uh, they would bring their laundry home, things like that. But we were able to... Um, Make that work, I, and I didn't intrude upon their privacy. They they had a good experience, so I think it worked well for all involved. Uh, I'm sure it did. I, it, it's just it has to be a source of pride. It is. It is to know that you were the first one to to lead this legacy of, of family members that, that have attended, and it's it's a great deal of pride. And you know, I often buy Wesleyan um, gear for for Christmas gifts and things like that, just to make sure they know that don't forget us. We're still here. Yeah, you can't forget the W, right. can you? And I have a story I've got to tell. It's burning here on Chad Hart. Chad oh Hart talked gosh. about me being his dean and things. Chad's a great guy, great guy. We've become really good friends over the years. Um, but when he was a student, I think we charged $5 for a parking permit. All we wanted to do was for you to register your vehicle and have it on campus. Chad copies one and has a fake one in his car. 
um, one of his good friends <laughs> comes to me and said, have you looked at Chad? Uh, of course, I didn't go look at everybody's vehicle and know what kind of park. I said, go check out Chad Hart's parking permit. I want you to look at that and see if it looks right. So I went and sure enough, he had, I think, just took a Xerox copy and, and taped it to his window. <laughs> and we still tell that story that it was five bucks, Chad. You could have probably pulled that one off. <laughs> hmm. Well, so, thank, Scott, thank you for that. Yep. Now, I wish I'd have known that when we talked. Yes. But... I'll see him again. Well, it's not too bad to share with the public, but I, it's something that I, I, I could probably tell stories on lots of students that <laughs> little things like that, nothing too major. Yeah, that's uh, that. Those are the stories that Dean Grell could have told. About oh, absolutely. Me. Let me tell a Dean Grell story. Probably the first road trip we took with the football team, we went down to Georgia, so we're coming back. And we stopped for gas and some snacks. And um, this, so we stopped at a place that had fireworks. Every football player bought a block of firecrackers and some bottle rockets and this and that. So the thing in Kendall Hall was that we would light those and um, you know run and scatter. When they go off, they wouldn't know who we did that. So we did that one night. We run across the street from Kendall, across Sherm Road. No one knew Gus Paris lived across the street. So Gus is sitting on his porch. We run behind the house just hiding. And the next day, Dean Girl called five or six of us in and knew us by name. Knew, and I'm like, holy smoke. This was before surveillance cameras. So I didn't know what was going on. Then we found out that Gus was right there and knew who he was. <laughs> Had the Gus Girl. version That's of the right. surveillance camera. That's right? exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Gus Paris was a, uh, an interesting guy. He was. He a was. good guy. He tried to put but that interesting. gruff persona, but it, he's a teddy bear. He's the sweetest guy you ever meet in your life. I mean, up to, you know, he departed a few years ago. He would come by the office and, and bring rubber ducks for me to give to my kids. And I'm like, why are you doing it with a rubber duck? He said, everybody likes a rubber duck. It'll brighten your day. So, <laughs> yeah, you never, when you think of Gus, you don't think of things like that. You no, think, you, you think of him because he always wore that suit and tie. Oh, every day. Every single day. Yep. Had the and, trench coat and the had hat. the trench yep. coat and yep. the hat. That's right. Yep. That's yep. right. Everybody remembers Gus. Yeah. You know, but that that was part of it. Oh, it was. It was. He <laughs> he was Kentucky. I mean, the story is he he locked the last door at Winchester and unlocked the first door in in, in Owensboro. So he was he was okay. there for the transition okay. from the Winchester to the Owensboro campus. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah. So you and Penny met in high school, but uh, when did you get married? We got married in 1988, the year after I graduated from Kentucky okay. Wesleyan, and um, we have. We are, I would say, creatures of habit. She works at Boardwalk Pipelines, which was Texas Gas, has been there for over 35 years. Same amount of time I've been at Kentucky Wesleyan. Our house, December of 93, 30 years, we've lived in the same house. Same we've house, had yeah. the same Christmas tree for 30 years that we bought at Bacon's when we couldn't afford a 10-foot tree. Yeah. But yeah. we kept it. It's one you put every branch in and have to do the lights and everything. We've kept that for 30 years. Oh, my heavens. So we, we are very comfortable in what we do and where we are and, and creatures of habit for sure. Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I don't either. If you're happy, that's for if sure. If you're happy, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, 1988, and then you mentioned kids. Yep. Joy was born in uh, 1990. Joy is currently an attorney up in the Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky. 
Uh, he's applied for partner this year, so we'll see. It's a little prayer for him, so he'll find out. Which firm? Uh, it's with uh, Dressman, Benzinger, and Lavelle, okay. uh, DBL. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been there for seven years. After he gra- he did an internship there in the summer of his uh, his last year of law school at UK. So uh, and was they hired him the following when he graduated, and then his wife Bree, who's also a Kentucky Wesleyan graduate. Um, works for the Kroger Corporation, and uh, she's doing very well, and we're proud of both of them. Um, my wife wishes they would get closer to Owensboro, but it's not a pl- bad place to visit. We enjoy going up in that area. No children, so that would make the pressure more that if they had a, uh, you know, children, that we'd want to see them more often. But my daughter Paige is in town. She was born in 1993. She's a teacher at Highland Elementary, uh, teaches fourth grade. She's also the assistant uh, girls soccer coach at Davis County High School, where she played. So it's uh, she's been there for several years w- with that program. And uh, she's married to Zach Crisp. Uh, they have a daughter, Carly, who is two and a half years old. Uh, our pride and joy. It's our only grandchild. So you can imagine how spoiled she is. You, you don't dote over her at all. That, that's right. That's right. Um, Nanny and Pop, is that's what she calls us. So she always wants to go to Nanny and Pop's house. So we're proud of that and, and uh, enjoy having her anytime she wants to be there. That's for sure. So you need a sign like Brenda and I have in our house. Okay. <clears throat> it, because grandchildren are really where it's at. Now, I'm telling you, you got to agree. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Grandchildren are where it's at. We have a sign by our back door. It says, grandchildren welcome anytime, children by appointment only. <laughs> well, we only have one, but everything you hear about grandchildren, grandchildren is absolutely correct. They're, there's there's so much fun, but at the end they go home, but, which is why they're always welcome. That's right. That's right. Right. That's right. We Absolutely. have five, and they're all welcome. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're all welcome all the time. Yep. And, but they go home, and yeah. it's it's wonderful. It is. It is so yeah. much fun to be around them. That's for sure. Yeah. So what what do you guys like to do to keep busy? <laughs> Besides work. Well, work. That's for sure. Um, we don't travel a whole lot. We'll take long weekends. We don't take cruises or anything like that, but we took the whole family to uh, Disney in June. So we were all able at one time to get there for a week. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, really too young for my granddaughter to, to thoroughly enjoy it. She's still a little bit afraid of the characters and Santa Claus and everybody else. But we had taken her to Disney on ice back in February, and she just, for two hours, she was just locked in and loved it starstruck yeah, and so my daughter at page said um we need to take her to disney i said well she might be a little bit young but we'll do it so we did it and we took a lot of pictures so the memories will be there so uh you know next time we go she'll be able to get more out of it that's for sure but we, we love things like that you know we um penny's mom is living by herself in, in henderson so once a week every friday uh, penny or penny and i both will go over and Take her to the store, take her um, out to eat just to help her out because she lost her spouse a few years ago. So things like that. We're big, big into family. We have most of my families within about a 60 mile radius. So we can frequently see them and, and things like that. That's nice. Yeah. 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 To be able to, to travel too far. To, to be able to see those folks. Ours, most of ours is right here, too. Yeah. Yep. So we just it, had a big family uh, gathering for Thanksgiving at my uncle's house in Henderson. And biggest crowd we've had in several years at you know, post COVID that kind of right. put us in there. So, so, um, talk about COVID a little bit. What was that like on campus? Horrible, horrible. I mean, you had students in the, in the residence halls and 
They weren't allowed to go see their friends two doors down because you had a limit of how many could be in the room. Required to wear a mask, and then we had to enforce that rule, which made us feel like we were the Gestapo, looking, going around telling people to pull their mask up and things like that. And it was, um, I, I've told Becca McQueen Roark this many times. I'm glad she was a dean during that, and that I wasn't because it was so difficult to, to maneuver. We had to send some students home because they broke rules, and you never, you never want to do that. I mean, that just was, it was a tough part of it. And then when we we had to close um, March of um, was it nineteen that um, we had just taken a group of students to Washington D.C. as part of the Rogers program. I, I take right. them on trips, and when we got back to campus, it wasn't just a few days, and we had to close the campus because of the outbreak. So, you know, we have to designate special rooms that if a, a case broke out for it, an isolation room, absolutely. Or uh, other than the students that could go home. But we have students, as you know, from all over. So if a student from Las Vegas came up with a positive COVID, we had to have a room available for, to put them in to isolate them, deliver meals to them, make sure that their online instruction was going well. So it was a, just a, another, a different animal that we had to deal with to get, make sure these kids did not miss out on their education. It truly was a different world. It, it was. So happy that's behind us. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and knock on wood, and hopefully people are staying boosted and, and getting done what they need to do to stay healthy. So, Scott, let me uh, let me switch gears. Uh, not long ago, you were the recipient of an award. Tell us about that. The Roy Pickerel Alumni Service Award. Uh, I joked at the awards banquet that um, I found out when Roy – slumbered into my office and said, hey, you got my award. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, you know, he's Roy. Everybody knows Roy. Everybody knows Roy. So, I mean, to be selected for that at over 8,000 alumni is quite an honor. You know, it's it's some, I don't do what I do for awards or, you know, any kind of accolades. I, I do what I do because I love it. I enjoy it. I want to make sure people have the Westland experience that I had. And uh, but to be recognized by your peers and and those that hand out those type of awards was just a tremendous honor and I was very uh, moved by that and, it's, and you know because I've been here I've seen people get the awards I've seen like that and, and not that I'm envious in any in any way but to be recognized for that manner it's a little bit different when you work here and then when you volunteer as an alumni you know I try to separate those I always go to the alumni give back days and and do that kind of volunteerism and and things like that and and attend events when I can that kind of stuff out. So then you have to separate your position as an administrator with alumni. Am I here as an alum or as an administrator? And that can be difficult, it, I would it think. It is. It is. And, and I, you know, you can't always. You're going to get questions and things like that, you know, from from all over. But, um, you know, Penny and I, we, we, we uh, financially uh, contribute to the college, and we have for over 35 years, and we're members of the I think it's the Minerva Society for continuous years of of giving, and it's just something that we, you know, when we set the yearly budget, we know we're going to give to Kentucky Wesleyan College. Well, I I have the privilege of serving as the president of the Alumni Association, um, and it it is the Alumni Association that the board that votes on those awards, and I can assure you, it was an easy vote when you were nominated to receive that award, and. Um, it, it's it, people recognize your dedication and service to Kentucky Wesleyan as being pretty magnanimous and pretty valuable. And so it was it was an easy decision. Congratulations. Well deserved. Appreciate that. And like I said, it was it was a, a big honor for me. It's the second 
type of um, award that I've won like that. I, I actually won the Gussie Paris Award back in 1993. So um, it took 30 years to, to win another award, but that's okay. <laughs> but to win the Gussie Paris Award and the Roy Pickerel Award, I mean, those are two Wesleyan legends that to be associated with, it's it's really, really an honor. That's kind of cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Well, we are nearing the end of our time, Scott, and uh, you touched on uh, something that I normally end my shows with, so I'm going to continue to do it. And if it's the same answer you gave, that's okay. But I'll I, I, I ask the question, then I'm going to tell you why I'm asking the question, okay. and then let you answer. Tell me about a favorite vacation. Mm-hmm. And... The reason that I ask that is, as you know, uh, Brenda and I are getting older and we're getting not too far away from those days that we're going to retire. And we do like to travel. And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I'm stealing travel ideas from my guests. Sure, sure. We've had lots of good family trips. I mean, um, Paige played select soccer, and um, a lot of weekends, Penny would go with Paige, and I'd go with Joey playing select basketball or or baseball or whatever. And uh, so that took a lot of our – so when we got together for family time, it was a lot of fun. Uh, We have family in Florida, so we would take uh, Florida vacations. Um, We like to go to Major League Baseball uh, parks. Uh, Wrigley Field is one of my favorite places to it's go. Now, and it's it, a fun it, place, it, it's isn't really it? It's really just an incredible experience if you never have never gone. It, you need to do that. Put that on your bucket list. We've been there. Yep. And um, you Fen- know, I've got friends. Fenway Park is another of. Those. I've never been to Fenway, but I need to get there. It's it, it the the history oozes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got in the back of my mind, and I, I've shared this with Penny a little bit, is that. I want to go to every Major League Baseball park that the Cubs play in. So uh, they may only play the Red Sox every 10 years, once every 10 years. Mm-hmm. I want to be there the time they play there. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, there is more to life than Major League Baseball. I realize that and, and travel thing. But um, Penny doesn't like to fly or um, she gets motion sickness on any kind of uh, cruises or anything like that. So I would never want to have to put her through something like that just because I would like to do that. So we, we're pretty creative in, in what we do. And, and um, you know, when we retire, we're, we're not we're, – I'll be 59 in, in March, and, and she's a little bit ahead of me. So, you know, that's within the next 5, 10 years. So you got to start thinking of things like that. And hopefully your health is you're good enough that you can enjoy that time. Absolutely. And, and that's the long. number one thing. Yep, yep. That's why we're making plans. Absolutely. Good for you. That's why it's very important and, and very exciting to see what the, what's that next chapter look like. What does it look like? That's, That's right. exactly right. Yeah. You know, you talk about baseball. Interestingly, several years ago now, uh, my younger brother lives in Florida with his family. And uh, Brenda and I and our daughter went from here and we met them and we did a baseball trip in the Northeast mm-hmm. um, with his family. We, <clears throat> we had the privilege of seeing... Uh, a Yankees game the last year in the old Yankee Stadium right. Right. was such history. And mm-hmm. then went over and watched the Mets, went over, went down and uh, went and saw a Phillies game, mm-hmm. then went over to Washington and saw a Nationals game. And that was kind of our, our, our baseball trip. And then they went home and we drove back and stopped in Pittsburgh. Okay. Saw the Pirates. Pirates yeah. So I, we're 
pretty big fans of professional baseball too. It's just it, there's something about the the ambiance of well, a and you're looking two to three hours. Major it's League not Baseball. Like you're, yeah, you're not dedicating a whole week to it. We we had a Penny had a work trip to um, San Francisco uh, several oh, years yeah. ago, so we saw the Giants when Bonds was playing, and then we went over to Oakland and watched a Rod with the when he was with Texas. So we got to see the Texas Rangers in Oakland and fun. Yeah, it's just a fun. You're in town that you can find tickets pretty easily, and we were able to swing that. So that was a lot of fun to be a part of. So. Funny little baseball story for me. I grew up um, in Ohio in the northeast corner, uh, about an hour northeast of Cleveland, Mm -hmm. but certainly within driving distance to go to Cleveland Indians ballgames. Guardians. They were the Indians at the time. (laughs) They still are to me. Yeah. In the the 60s and 70s, they were the Indians, uh, you know, the tribe. Yep. But they were horrible. (laughs) We knew exactly the seats that we liked, and they were good seats. They were so bad that this stadium that they played in, uh, Cleveland Municipal Stadium, would hold 72,000 people Mm -hmm. in a baseball stadium, which is unheard of at the time. Yeah, huge. We would walk up the day of the game and get the seats we wanted, and there was maybe— Six or seven thousand people in right, the stadium. Right. I mean, it was empty. Yeah, yeah, you know. But that's how I grew up, and and it, with the peanuts and the hot dogs, you know. <laughs> well, same age group. When we grew up, I was a big Red Machine fan. The Reds, excellent and, baseball, yeah, absolutely, and um, love Johnny Bench. You know, Tony Perez, the whole crew. So we get to our first game, nineteen seventy-seven. They were in Riverfront Stadium. Had no idea where the tickets were, what we were doing. We were going to see them play because my uncles love the Dodgers, so I have a genuine hate for the Dodgers because that's what they <laughs> said. So the Reds and the and the and the Dodgers, and that's when you had three channels and you had a game of the week, maybe Monday that's night right. baseball, and it was usually the Reds or the Dodgers. They were playing each other, so that's who you saw and that's who you liked. So we go and um, take my glove. I'm all fired up. I'm ready. I'm uh, 12 years old. We went in, and we were so high in that stadium that um, it took three seconds to hear to see them hit the ball and hear the crack of the bat echo up to you. So I quickly put my glove away. I knew I wouldn't, <laughs> wasn't going to need that for the day, but it was just a fun experience. You came back with your Reds plastic helmet. Oh, absolutely. The, yeah, so it's just a lot of great memory, a lot of fun, and I think that's where I got hooked. Yeah, I know that's where I got hooked. Uh, it was my dad, my brother, yep. my grandfather, and me. So generational. It's, it, 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 it was. You know, yep. three generations right there. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it's the smell and the sounds oh, yeah. and, and everything. And the first time you walk out and you're sitting, you're like, oh, wow. It's the, everything's so green. It was artificial turf and very generic at that time. But it was just an incredible experience and something that I'll never forget. No, it, it's it's an amazing time, an amazing set of memories for me. Yep. And, uh, and to come full circle, you know, I, I mentioned my son lives in the Cincinnati area. So we'll go up three or four times a summer and, and sure. see games at the, at the new Great American Ballpark, which is just pure baseball. It's a beautiful place to watch a baseball game. So it's um, it, many of those new parks are. Yep. That's what they were designed for. Yep. So watch a baseball game. That's and, right. You know, St. Louis is the same way. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's a beautiful park, too. Yep. Um, Cleveland's new park is that. Yeah. Way. I, yep. Um, so many of them are, but, uh, yeah, so baseball is, uh, a piece of my past and yours and, and, uh, I certainly appreciate that. Yes, sir. I, I would go, well, every, if everyone, everyone's go to a game, just give me a call. I'll be, I'm happy to go. I love to go watch baseball. 
<laughs> and, and you have to have a pure love for the game because, you know, a lot of people now, even on TV, they can't, it's too slow. But if you if you sit and you watch pitch counts and you're what pitches what's coming at a two zero what they're looking for what they're going to do situational baseball it's you really can get into it and really enjoy it more than the average observer. So one of the things that I absolutely loved uh, as uh, our son was growing up was coaching him and yep. I did that for a number of years. And you're absolutely right. The strategy of baseball. Is phenomenal if you let yourself appreciate the strategy of baseball. Right, right. You know, now it uh, it, it can seem boring, but the, the it is a very very strategic and technical game. Yep. Yeah. And to see how it's transformed over the years. Now it's home run or nothing. You know, Kyle Schwarber, I really like Kyle Schwarber. He'll hit forty five home runs, but he's hitting two oh one, and he strikes out. Either hits home run or strikes out. That's and right. That's all nothing or nothing. In between. Yep, and that's not baseball to me. You know, forty-five home runs is wonderful, but you got to hit two sixty, two seventy to go with that to, to make sure that you're not just swinging for a home run every time. That's you exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Scott, uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, I give you the chance for the last word. I'm usually not a loss for words. That's for sure. Uh, I was scheduled to go to uh, Louisville tonight for the. Um, Christmas party that they're hosting. And I had had this on my calendar. So my college roommate had made arrangements to to go to that. So I called him uh, last night and said, I'm not going to be able to make it. I've got another commitment. He said, that's okay. I'll go see if I know anybody. So it's just, you know, Wesleyan's such a family affair that uh, I mentioned this when I received my award uh, at that at the banquet is that every person that was recognized, I had a relationship either as a classmate as their dean, or and it's just so it's just you know we mentioned generationally. It's just you never miss a beat when you're around a group of Wesleyan people. You just pick up where you left off. It's and there's never a gap that you can't say. So what have you been doing for 20 years? You just take off right where you left off, and and you're able to share those experiences and stories. Yeah, and absolutely. stories always get better over the years. You know that, especially with uh, old baseball guys. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be baseball. <laughs> Fraternity stories, I'm sure. That's it, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, I, you're exactly right, Wesleyan. Uh, it becomes part of you if you let it. Uh, it has. You, obviously, for 40 years, Mm -hmm. it's been part of you and will be for the rest of your life, I'm confident, and me as well. So, Scott, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking some time to be with us, and I'm confident that uh, people are going to enjoy hearing about the stories. And so, everybody, until we meet again, take care. This has been another episode of Alumni Evolution the official podcast of the KWC Alumni Association hosted by Doug Hoyt, class of 1984. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow the Alumni Association on social media at KWC Alumni. See you next time, Panthers.